Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you back to Slinging the Biscuit. This is going to be episode 8. It might be episode 9, I can't remember. Uh, we have a guest today, well, of somebody who I've been able to call a personal friend for going on almost two years now. In my opinion, the most detail-driven goalie coach on the planet. Maybe a disability, maybe a blessing, we don't know yet. It's soon to be figured out. Jury's out. <laughs> we'll figure that out eventually. Uh, Pasco Volana, goalie coach for the University of BC U-Sport Hockey, Hockey Canada, guest goalie coach for the Dallas Stars once upon a time. A very accomplished man. Welcome to the No, thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited about it. Yeah, this is a conversation I've been really looking forward to for a while. The the conversation with Derek Bujan two, three weeks ago really kind of got people talking about the whole goalie coaching community, maybe asking questions of, are we taking advantage of clients? Are we actually helping goalies develop? Well, it's got to be a mindset. I think you have to get in there and you have to really make the goaltending, uh, the goaltender's job are the goaltender's uh, you know career the most important thing and sometimes money gets in the way of that sometimes uh, you know just being aggressive with their tactics you know just ends up being uh, counterproductive also spending too much time and telling people that they need to spend every day with a goaltending coach is another thing that uh, takes a lot of the creativity out of the hockey players these days so you need to get better at, uh, at communicating that and you need to make sure that you're putting the client first number one more so than anything and I know we talked about it on the ice a couple of times, maybe over the last like two or three weeks, but there's almost like no barrier to entry to be a goalie coach. It's almost like in the, the fitness industry where if I decided to be a personal trainer today, there's no barrier to entry. I can, be, I can be your personal trainer today. I may not be as qualified as somebody else, but I could do that. And the same thing with goalie coaching. And when there is so much money involved for guys charging 100 200 up to $550 US per hour, Plus, I know you're shaking your head right now. It's ridiculous. I, I shake my head at it, too. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But that is the industry. And I look back at, like, when, you know, I became a goalie at 10 years old, my dad, and thinking we didn't have any knowledge, any really experience to, like, becoming a goaltender, and my dad and I learned everything firsthand. There are people who, realistically speaking, are going to be suckers and pay that $500 because they think they're getting quality because, oh, well, I pay more money, I get more value. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's, again, no, no barrier in entry. So what ends up happening is the research and development part of it is done on the goaltending clients. So they make all their mistakes moving through the clients like that. They think that they're teaching the right things. And then what happens is they get really good at teaching what they believe rather than opening themselves up, becoming a student of the game themselves, networking to casting a bigger net so that we can be more effective in placing goaltenders into positions to win. And, and to me, and I've, you know, I've got a story of that as well. It's very, very simple. You know, Caden Lane is one of the goaltenders that, I, that uh, I've been blessed to be a part of working with. And uh, you know, he had a full ride scholarship to a university and uh, and uh, the night before it was it was removed for whatever reasons and uh, he had no place to play and they still wanted him to go down and pay you know almost thirty thousand dollars to go play for the for the team and uh, you know the parents aren't equipped for that especially 12 hours before so you know luckily enough my net is cast wide that I was able to make a phone call and and now he's playing at a university that really appreciates him he's got back-to-back shutouts and you know, the rest is, like, all of the success is going to belong to him, but without networking, without submitting your ego, uh, you, those doors will never open for your clients. And I think that's really, really important. And it certainly won't open for you either, you know? Well, and goalie coaching is, is a business at the end of the day. And the definition of business, whether you're in school or you're even, you know, you're Googling it right now, whether you're on the audio version on Apple, Spotify, or the video version on YouTube, uh, the definition of business is problem solving for money. You're solving somebody's problems in return for money or value or a currency of some way, shape, or form, and you helping Caden find a spot when you could say he's in the weeds is that currency of value. But when I'm charging $300 an hour for an ice time with... 
You know, I'm passionate about that. I'm going to interrupt you there. When you're charging $300, $400, $500 an hour, okay, unless the ice cost is, is $400 an hour, uh, like it is in, in Texas and places like that, you've you got to think, how many times can a single mom or a single dad bring that athlete in to get the information from you? And you're lucky if you see them once a month. Now, if you're thinking that this is a 10-year span that this player's got to develop, because from 5 to 15, they've got to be able to develop so that when they're 16, 17, and 18, they can cash in their chips, they're not going to be able to see you enough to be able to do that. So you need to find a happy medium. You're not going to get rich off of single moms and single dads and people that are struggling financially. You need to make sure that you, they have access to you on enough of an occasion that you can actually bring out the very best that they have to offer. Charging $500 is just, you know, it's just creating a job for yourself. It really is. Um, and, you know, I don't know the expenses of other goaltending coaches. I'm not disparaging them. But, you know, you could be in a bad area where ice is at a premium. Hey, all the power to you. That's how much it costs, unfortunately. But we're getting down to the basics here where you see minor hockey associations shrinking. You're seeing, um, you know, a lot of different other programs opening up, whether they be academies or, or, or high-performance leagues and things like that opening up to the tune of six and 7,000. Think about it when you get married. What are you going to ask? Hey, Tom, your, your son's involved in hockey. You know, uh, by the way, how much, does it, how much do you pay? Oh, we pay, you know, $11,000 a year. You know what that conversation in the car is going to be with, a, with your wife? It's going to be like, holy man, we're going to put him in something else. Maybe, maybe dart, dart throwing or baseball or something like that. You mentioned that right now. Yeah. I was actually, so I was talking to my mom maybe about two, three weeks ago about exactly this. And my mom said, quote, if we had had you, let's say 10 years later, and we're going to put you in a hockey, I don't know if we could have actually afforded it. With the rising price of equipment, like when, when I was coming into hockey, a, a pro level of pads, I remember it was about $1,599, $1,600. Now, $2,400. Yeah. The AAA that my mom cut a check for was $5,000, now ten to $15,000, yeah. plus the training. I remember uh, training for the summer cost me about $2,000 when I was like 15, 16, trying to you know, get main camps, invites to Western League. Oh, yeah. Now... I don't think $2,000 will help you wipe your ass. No. Like, in all fairness. You, I mean, you can't do anything with $2,000. You can't. You, I mean, you're, you're, right now you're standing on the ice. You have no helmet. Okay? You don't have probably a chest protector. And uh, you've got no training. So now you've got to find more money. Look, my dad worked 14,000 hours of overtime. Okay? Never bought a car for 20 years so that I can go chase my dream. If this was today... I would have never played hockey. And your mom was stitching your bag up too, your hockey bag. My hockey bag, okay, get this. When I was 12 or 13 years old, I think it was, they didn't have the money. So my mom was a great seamstress. She took a bunch of jean material, made a jean bag, which it's okay, but only had flower material for the outside. Do you have any idea how tough you look when you're walking into, you know, a building of the opposition on a rep team when you have flowers on the edge of your bags, mm, it's probably not working very well. So I took a lot of heat for a lot of different things. I remember my first tryouts, I walked in with the shopping bags we use now, those, those, those permanent shopping bags that we have to use in every grocery store that we go to. And, uh, you know, people have to understand, especially young athletes that are, that are you know, listening to this podcast or watching it, you know, it, it's a sacrifice. And if we as, as you know, providers of goaltending training make it so impossible to, uh, to engage, we're not going to develop any hockey players. Why is it that a few years ago that uh, um, Don Cherry went on TV and said uh, he was mad at the Canadian Hockey League because they opened up the opportunities for European goaltenders to come in? So you draft all these 14-year-olds, right, 15-year-old goalies, that's fine. And then you go over and you do a European draft and bring in an older European goaltender and he takes over uh, the opportunity for a Canadian goaltender. 
Why do you think we're losing Canadian goaltenders? Why do you think that we don't have a lot of Canadian goaltenders moving into that? We used to have 100% of it. Now we have about 20, 25% of the goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And that's just the NHL, let alone the guys that quit hockey at 15 because the pyramid of trying to make a hockey team becomes very narrow, despite all the opportunities out there. There's just not a, there's, there's more goaltenders, there's opportunities, so now we just lose all these kids at 15 years old. Especially as you get older, the, the funnel narrows a little bit. And would you, would you agree too, this is something we talked about the other day, and I've noticed specifically, obviously spending two years in Sweden, but there is this massive invasion right now of Scandinavian goaltenders in the NCAA. You look at just the amount of Swedes that are going to, I know Michigan Tech doesn't have any, but like the Michigan teams like Eric Portillo, uh, Ludwig Persson, both former guests of the podcast. Like there's so many Swedes, there's Finns coming in left and right. I, I probably shouldn't be saying whether they're on full ride or not just because maybe they don't want me to, to talk about that yeah. information. Yeah. But then you look at the Canadian guys, how many Canadian goaltenders are on a true full ride in the NCAA? And the true ride aspect is a falsity anyway. They're only a, they're, it's only a year to year. The intention is for four years. But it's only a year-to-year, renewable in July, uh, every, every, every year. And if you're playing well, you're going to get renewed. And if you're not playing well or they find someone better than you, in other words, they, they, their job is to recruit for players that can beat you, and your job is to make sure that they can't. So, you know, you, you start going down in that route and you start having European goaltenders. There's a reason why European goaltenders are coming, because their system, the way they approach the system, is very holistic. It's committed to teaching the system in hockey IQ, goaltending IQ, player IQ. And by the time they get to 15, they're intelligent goaltenders. They know exactly what they're blocking, what space they're blocking, what position they need to take, what area of their body, how many, how many inches they're giving away in every position. So these are really powerful tools. And coaches or goaltending coaches like Thomas Magnuson or, um, let's see here, you've got another goaltending coach that escapes from mind for, for Red Bull as well. Like, you've got some pretty unbelievable goalie coaches over there that run a system that is consistent. And it's really about organically training a goaltending coach so they know what to look for, not just teach one style. And they also teach the goaltender a system to know, hey, you'll move forward when you're ready. When you compare cultures from maybe like North America to Europe, I found one of the things that I liked about the European culture was that there's not this like rat race to one up the next person. You're not trying to outdo everybody. It's not a, you know, me, me, me. I make so much money. I make so much. It's just people existing. Everybody is, I don't know if I want to say the word humble, but they just keep their business to themselves. And in North America, where every goalie coach is online posting their drills, and the amount of insecure goalie coaches, which we could get into in a second, they see that, oh, I need to do that, but without no causation or purpose or rhyme or reason why they're doing it. Now there's a, a lack of context to the goalie coaching world in North America compared to in Europe, or specifically Scandinavia, because I haven't lived in the rest of Europe, but in Scandinavia, where they're actually concerned about goaltending development, and you see in the NCAA, the proof is in the pudding. There are how many goalies in the NCAA coming in on rides to be starting goaltenders, and then the, the Canadian um, uh, U.S. goaltenders in the world, how they're slowly kind of dwindling off. All the elite goaltenders, like just for the Vesna last year, Swedish, Finnish, Russian. I don't see Canada or U.S. anywhere. Yeah, I was at the draft this year. The top three picks were all Europeans. So you start looking at you start looking at these things. You, I mean, nothing makes it more clear than th- than than this. Here's the thing that's missing in goaltending coaching world, and here's the thing that's missing in the, in the reality of goaltending. What's the scoreboard? To me, as a goaltending coach, the scoreboard is how many athletes can I train and convert into top-level, elite-level goaltenders? And I'm blessed at that point because they're ready to learn, right? There's that old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. 
you get those opportunities. Where if you see eight goaltenders and seven of them end up getting drafted in the Western Hockey League or they, they go to the NCAA on a full scholarship, you've done your job. But if you're seeing 200 goaltenders and you get one, that, those are just the numbers. I mean, if you get 1,000 goalies, you're going to get five that go probably make the National Hockey League or, or at least get a sniff. That's not great goaltending coaching. Great goaltending coaching to me is conversion. I have a scoreboard. And I have a goal when I see someone like yourself or someone, I, I take on that goal because if I don't get you there, I can't sleep. I'm the one that feels like I've failed because I missed something. Maybe I missed conver- uh, communicating something to you in a, in a powerful point, or I missed a, uh, a situation, or I missed a scoring situation that you needed to know. Something was missing and I missed it. So I think that, you know, by taking on that role, that responsibility, the parents are trusting you to train this goaltender or the athlete like yourself is trusting you to take them to the next level. It's my job to be organized. A lot of parents come, what should I look for? This, there's a goaltending company going to train, um, you know, our son this year, blah, 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 in the associations. I go, great, just ask for the plan. What's the plan look like? Do you have a goaltending plan for the next eight months or six months or five months for, my, for the goaltender? The scary thing about that, though, I will say, as somebody who, like I mentioned, like my dad, my mom and I, like there's no first-hand hockey experience. Everything was first-hand. Yeah. You tell me that, like, you know, rewind to, you know, 13, 14-year-old me with, you know, younger mom and dad. I asked that question, oh, well, we're going to develop your game. We're going to get you playing more simple, more efficiently, and we're going to get you to the next level. I'm probably sold, but I don't have the experience or the knowledge to say that's the most vague shit I've ever heard. Well, absolutely. Oh, I can get you to the next level. No, you can't. Okay. You know who's going to get you to the next level? You are. The only thing that I'm doing is, is, is keeping your spirits up, making you feel a certain way, giving you some ideas or some tips that I was blessed enough to learn and understand that I got six, seven, eight, nine, ten different ways to explain the same thing so that it, you know, hopefully one of those things clicks. And that's really the key behind a, a lot of goaltending training and goaltending coaching. It's the, it's the ability to make sure that you become a pillar in that organization, that you do your job, that you've done enough work to have the confidence to execute and play at the highest level of the game. It's not about just doing lesson after lesson after. I mean, just do the math. If you do a bunch of lessons with a kid and the kid still hasn't made an A1 team, maybe it's time to change. But you no, know, you haven't been given the opportunity to, um, you know, test, you know, put that, uh, that question mark to the test. I can get you there. What, what do you have to go by other than maybe he's got one client that made it or five clients that made it? That's fine. But how many goalies have you seen? Do you live in, in Boston and see 5,000 clients a year? Or do you live in you know, Pitt Meadows and see eight clients a year, but six of them are going to get drafted? Why? Because you had them because they were little kids when they couldn't skate, they're tripping over themselves, and you had the opportunity to develop their skating, their hockey IQ, things like that. So I think there needs to be a scoreboard for goaltending coaches, and it really puts in the test. How many guys have you trained? How many guys are making it? And we need to work together. Anytime a client that, I'm, that I work with moves somewhere else, I contact that goaltending coach. If he gets drafted in the Western Hockey League, or he may get drafted in the Western Hockey League, I contact the goaltending coach, or the goaltending coach contacts me. What can you tell me about this guy? What can you share with me about this guy? What's his character like? You know, does he, does he go to the gym, or do you have to push him like hell? Like, these things are, are really important, and it's, you know, skill is only one part of it. You know, I hear, oh, it's all about skill, or it's all about whatever. It's not all about skill. It's, it's about the whole package holistically. That's got to be more, probably one of the biggest, I, I, I'd almost say like fake marketing sticks. It's about skill. We're, we're going to teach you how to, like, all, all this kind of stuff. And we're not going to name drop, obviously, because after the last episode of Booge, I had 50 goalie coaches messaging, were you guys talking about me? You guys sandbagging No. Me? So we're not going to be No, we're not sandbagging anybody. The bottom line is the fact that it's just like when someone comes in and says something like, 
Um, you know, head trajectory is the only way to do it. Oh, head trajectory is very valuable, and, and, and the things that the guys did to, uh, to bring forth and how to explain it is very, very, very good, and you can't do it without it. Some goaltending coaches have been teaching similar, similar styles for 20, 25 years. Like you start looking at trajectory, for example. When I was a brand-new goalie coach, couldn't shoot. I had no gloves. I didn't wear gloves to shoot. I had calluses over my hands. When I did this, I bought True Angle from Chico Resch, okay? None of the listeners are going to remember them, except for maybe some dads that are listening. But Chico Resch is a longtime goaltender, and he actually became a little bit of a, a trainer or a goalie coach trainer. And that, he had two big, monstrous things that would be on the edge of the posts, and we'd pull them down, and it would basically show the angle from the player's stick. Well, that's been evolved and moved over. Now we use dog leashes. We use ones from Sweden that are really big and really long. These things evolve over time. We're not re remaking or you know, revolutionizing uh, goaltending. We're taking the opportunity and continuing to learn how to do different things, just like fitness. You know, you, how many things have changed? Your phone's changed. Computers have changed. Cameras have changed. And then you look at fitness. You still have to get your ass to the gym. Right? You still have to eat properly, and you still have to lift that damn weight. The weight hasn't changed. Maybe the machines have changed, but you still have to do the work. So it plays a huge, huge role, and it's, it's more about uh, goaltending IQ. It's about, you know, about skill. It's about making sure that you have the ability to understand why. What is it? When do you use it? Why does it work? How is it executed? You know, those things to play a role to see which one's going to give you not only the 100% chance to stop the puck, but a 95% chance to stop the rebound controlling the game for your coach. These are all massive, massive details that goalies you know, just think on their own island. As long as the puck bounces away from the net, I did my job. Well, no, because it can look like a fire drill out there if you don't control the game the way you're supposed to control it. Another, another big change that you're forgetting about is the amazing folks at Sheath Underwear, the presenting sponsor for this podcast. The game has changed with Sheath Underwear. We have always, for the history of time, had problems as a man your manly parts sticking to the side of your leg. Yeah. Right? You're out in the ice. We're working hard. What's happening? Yeah. It's sticking to the side of your but leg. But how long has underwear been around for? Underwear has been around for... I, that's a good question. Maybe somebody on the video podcast can leave a comment down below and let us know how long underwear has been a thing. So what did Sheath do? They made a better mousetrap. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> right? The folks at Sheath are game-changing. So let me tell you about it. So the folks at Sheath Underwear was founded by a guy named Robert. Now, Robert was a U.S. Marine. He was spending time in Iraq and Afghanistan. Thank you for your service. Yes, sir. Thank you, Robert. And Robert couldn't change his underwear for three, four, five days at a time. So he said, you know what? Imagine that, how gross that would be. So he said, you know what i got to do? i got to create a pair of underwear. It's going to allow to segregate everything, keep it cool, keep it breathing. Enter the sheath dual pouch. The sheath dual pouch is a segmented compartment where you put your twig and your biscuits into. It's compartmentalized. I'm wearing them right now. You have no idea how comfortable I am right I, now. I just don't want to see it because I'll never be able to unsee it. But, but just imagine it. Just I'm imagining it. it. Yeah. I'm imagining sheath underwear right now. Yes. They have a cooling bamboo mesh material, which is amazing. In the hot weather, it's still staying cool. And it keeps everything aerated. So you're breathing. It's not stuck to the side of your leg. And you're comfortable. You could go on date night. Later tonight, in the same pair of sheath underwear as me. Well, maybe like not like changing it, but and have a great time. Yeah, and little, little freshness. I'm going to order it. And the only way to get it, you're going to go to sheathunderwear.com. There's a link in the video description and the audio podcast notes on Apple and Spotify. You're going to use the code Biscuit sixty nine B I Z K I T sixty nine. It's going to get you twenty percent off 20%. the best underwear money can buy. Sheath underwear, our presenting sponsor for the podcast. You know who's not using sheath underwear and probably should is some of these goalie coaches online. 
that <laughs> are making <laughs> they're making an Instagram post and, and there's a couple that do come to mind, not one specifically, but a few. <laughs> they make Instagram posts of, hey, I trained so and so when he was a kid. I trained so and so twenty five years ago. Well, the guy doesn't follow you on Instagram. The guy doesn't like or comment on any of your stuff. So clearly you haven't talked to him in a long time. And that little picture that you took of all thousand kids at your camp is your one marketing stick you're going to use to get 300 other kids yeah. in the door. I mean, ultimately, it is marketing, and you know, you're on the ice for an hour with a guy or whatever it is. And you know, if you go out and say that you've trained them your whole life, it's really more powerful when the goaltender coach or the goaltender himself says, "Hey, you know, I, I got to thank this particular guy who really helped me, um, you, you know, achieve that, that excellence." Do you ever see that though? So, Buj and I talked about that in the last episode. How every goalie coach, like, let's let's just pretend. First, I know people are going to lose their mind at this. Let's say I'm 14 or 15, I just got drafted by the Brandon Wee Kings, and all the goalie coaches, you, Booge, every other goalie coach I've seen in the last 10 years makes a post about me. Well, am I going to make a post talking about the one goalie coach that helped me the most? I'm looking at him right now, and God bless Derek Bujan. I love Derek Bujan. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. I've spent the most time with Pascal probably over the last two years, and I think probably the most influential goalie coach in my life. So every other goalie coach... Sorry? Awfully nice of you to say. It's true, though. It's fact, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. And for every other goalie coach to make that post would be, I, I think, misinforming people that they were not, okay, you, you skated me one time seven years ago. There's some things that have changed since then, right? Like, who is my actual guy? But you won't see the guys make that post because they don't want to alienate. They got to follow the uh, corporate formula. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to alienate different goalie coaches and have people listen to this podcast messaging me when it comes up on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Are you talking about me, Trav? Because there was a lot of goalie coaches that were upset about the last episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, we got to look at it as, a, you know, in a way where, you know, there is marketing involved. People want to, if, they, if they're on the ice for a week with a guy, there's a lot of guys that go to Kelowna and, and they spend uh, a week there and, and uh, they're guest coaches too. Some guys that are really influential down there. And, um, you know, and, and if you take your picture with the guy, you know, did you train the guy? Is this guy, you know, in your stable, the, you know, for years on end? Is he coming to you? Does he talk to you on a regular basis to work through different pieces of their game? Probably not. Um, you, you know, if you say, hey, blessed this week to have been on the ice with so-and-so, that's fantastic. You know, the, the ones that I like to take, uh, uh, take as an example on this one are when you train a goaltender, and uh, you've trained them since they're very small and you've allowed them to move to the next level. Like I have um, video of Ty Taylor at seven years old training him. Now people might, not, might or might not know, but he's drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, you I guys work, were just skating a yeah, week ago. Just, yeah, ago. him and Colin Delia we, were here. And I think the main objective there is that all these guys have had lists of goaltending coaches. Okay, uh, It's funny, when I ask a goaltender, uh, I, I say, hey, you know, I see I noticed something that's changed in your game. And usually now I can... I can tell which company they've come from based on what they're doing with their stick or what they're doing with their block or what they're doing with their glove, how their head is set, you know, and, and arguably enough, this is the scary part. Some guys teach that. So when they walk into a building, they know who has come to their camp and who hasn't. So they know who to approach. That's a dirty thing in, in my, in, in, in my realm, because you're teaching a goaltender to do something that's not effective, but you're doing it so that you can see that this guy have trained. And the bottom line is that, is that how are you going to find the next, you know, Tim Thomas? How are you going to find the next Dominic Hasek? Okay, if Dominic Hasek showed up to a junior B hockey team right now, he wouldn't, he wouldn't make the team. Why? Because everyone's looking through the eyes of bias. Maybe he looks a little different. Maybe he handles the things a little different. Maybe he dives a little bit different. What they don't know is he does a master, he's a master 
of trajectory. He understands exactly what the puck's capability is. So you're going to discard a guy because he doesn't look like the part? I think one thing you're forgetting, yeah. too, is maybe the team goalie coach for said junior B team owns, uh, I'm just saying, ABC goaltending. I hope that there is no ABC goaltending because they're going to shit on me. Yeah. But they own ABC goaltending company. This guy trains with me. He's coming to camp. This guy trains. This guy. That guy doesn't train. You can send him home right now. Yeah. And how many goalie coaches are like that? There's, there's one that comes to mind that I'm not going to name drop. Goalie coach in the Western Hockey League, because there's, there's a lot of teams, so we're not going to narrow it down to anybody. Yeah. And only his guys play for that team. Yeah. Is that a coincidence? I'm not going to play for that team. I mean, I'm 26. I can't play in the Western yeah, League. Yeah, yeah. But, that, you know, I, I agree with you on that as well. I mean, you've got to find the best goaltender because you've got to be able to separate yourself and have the balls to be able to tell your goaltenders, listen, just because I'm an evaluator for this hockey team or I coach with this hockey team doesn't give you an automatic pass to where I'm uh, to a, a spot to play on this hockey team. My job being hired by a Western Hockey League team or a team in general is to make sure that I provide them the best opportunity to win, period. And that means I have to make sure I design a plan for each of those goaltenders to develop into those people. Then my job, and an understandable job, is to train them for the next goaltending coach because they're going to get passed on. It's really funny that I go up to a goaltender and say, I recognize it, going back to what I said, and I say, I know that you've been out. It looks like you've been somewhere else. And then they look like they've been cheating on me. They look like, like we're in a relationship and they're cheating on me. No, they're looking after their own benefit. They want to see what's out there. They want to gather some knowledge. They want to gather some information. And I just, I, I just share with them, hey, there's going to be certain situations out there that that goaltending coach or a goaltending coach is going to share with you. I can't comment on it because I wasn't there, and I don't know what the situation he or she was creating for you at the time. I'm not going to tell you it's wrong. I'm just going to tell you I wasn't there. So I'm going to continue to share um, my knowledge, which is, you know, I know a lot of different languages in goaltending uh, from around the world, and then I'm going to find someone like yourself identify any limitations you might have, and I'll take a piece from Russia, from the United States, from Canadian goaltending, from Finland, from Sweden, and I'm going to put together a goaltender that is going to be the best version of you you possibly can be. I'm not going to teach you Pasco Volana style goaltending. I'm going to teach you Travis goaltending, something that you are going to be able to execute when you're on the ice. It's the same with anybody else, and that's what goaltenders should look for. Who's going to be the guy on my off-ice bench. And if you're going to have two or three guys and you want different voices, that's completely up to yourself. Okay, you're going to gather knowledge, take the best, be like a grocery store. Take what you like and leave the rest in the store. Okay, but the main objective is, are you on target? Are you addressing the issues that you have? And if you are, you have to reverse engineer to make sure you're on the right path. If you are on the right path, but you're going to finish in 20 years, you're going to miss the boat. Okay, the ship has sailed, the plane is gone your career is finished. So you have to make sure that you're always putting the pulse on there going, am I going to get there? Am I on the right track? Do I see the plan? Do I see where I'm going? Clear, and ex clear expectations are critical. Do you think that maybe goalie coaches miss the point of, let's say we don't know each other and I'm coming in for a private or for, for whatever. I'm not coming to learn Pascal Villana's goaltending philosophies. I'm coming to have Pascal Villana help me become the best goaltender that I can be. And develop your philosophies. Agreed. Well, and there are some things that we don't see eye to eye on. Like, for example, my shave stick. I, I know you want to put it over my head. Some, most, sometimes. Most times. Sometimes. But, but why do I want to put it over your head? Because maybe I'm looking for something that's going to that's gonna provide you with the best opportunity to get, out of your, get the puck out of your zone in under eight seconds. Because that's really something that I value. And I know 
that if I can get help you contribute to getting that puck out of the zone in eight seconds, you're not going to get scored on as much. So I call it a rodeo, you know, in your head. You've got to ride the bull for eight seconds. So you've got to get in there, make the save, transition the puck, and they've got to get the puck out in eight seconds. If you can do that, you're going to win championships. But we compromise, though, on, on some things. I, I don't know if maybe compromise is the, the proper word, but I have limitations both physically, the, the way that, that I am made up, all, all the elements. Right. There are things that you cannot get me to do, and there are things that I can do, and you are playing within those boundaries. Same thing you, Derek Bouja, and the guys that I do work with, and that, that you know I value their opinions. My trainer, Brian Collins, shout out to him. I haven't talked to him. I should probably call him after this. But there are limitations that we have that we're trying to make the best of Travis the goaltender. And right. I have a very unique style. You, can't, you cannot get me to play the call. You have really. a very unique body. You have a very unique brain. You have to think about that as an individual. You're 100% right. And no, a lot of people can't play like Colin Delia. If you saw the clip I put out on Instagram the other day, holy shit, he's amazing. Pardon my language. R- really quick, though. That clip you posted at him at Canucks training camp, the, the intelligence and the IQ to spread out, cover the bottom of the net, to stretch, to lift the leg. Like, would I be wrong to say that you think he could win a Vesna? Like, he, he looks so, like so... So good. He's a goaltender. Like I, I got to put you know hats off to Rutherford for acquiring a talent like that and and not overlooking someone like that because here's a guy that's got NHL experience. He's got a, ma- amazing American Hockey League numbers. Um, he's got the drive that he wants more than anything in the world. Uh, his goaltending coach in the American Hockey League is a great guy. Really you know really understood what he was doing where he was taking him. And, uh, you know, you overlook a guy like that, he could definitely move into a starting role to, down the line here and become a, an incredible goaltender. Now he's got Ian Clark and he's got a goaltender from a goalie coach from Finland. I mean, I have no doubt that Ian's going to do an incredible job with, um, you know, with Colin. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a phenomenal season. We had a great conversation about him. And, uh, you and Ian Clark? Uh, yeah, Ian Clark, and as well as, um, uh, as, well as Colin. And uh, it's funny, Colin said, I remember Ian Clark a long time ago, went to one of his programs. He says, you got great equipment, but you're a terrible goalie. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, oh, GDI. Well, GDI was making equipment <laughs> yeah. back in the day. And then Ian goes, uh, Ian goes yeah, I probably said that. <laughs> just, you know, he just gives you an idea. But, uh, you know, the amount of work that he's putting in and, and you know, knowing what Ian's capable of, um, he's got a plan in place. That's, that's what I mean. You have to have a plan in place for your clients. Otherwise, you just don't, you don't have a scoreboard. If, if I could quickly, just yeah. through like, talking to different goalie coaches out in the world, yeah. I feel like Ian Clark gets a really bad reputation. Like, I've heard some people say like, some really like, nasty things about him. I, I have never met him, never talked to him, but from what I've seen online with working with Demco, with all that kind of stuff, he seems like one of the most just blunt, knowledgeable, intelligent goalie coaches on the planet. And when you look at the resume, two Veznas for Bobrovsky, he turned Demco into uh, fourth and don't forget don't forget markstrom markstrom is markstrom as well who won't reply to my instagram dms but that's another story for a different day (laughs) congratulations on the baby mark yeah respond to my dms (laughs) sometime yeah i mean i mean it's always the it's always the body of work that's super impressive right and uh you know he's been in a long time i had him as a goalie coach when i was 15 i went to ubc and and uh, and worked with him, and he's just a really. I mean, I, I always say this in in any speeches that I do. There isn't a font that's small enough to be able to be used for a book that he would write on goaltending. He just understands the game, the position, and he gets a bad rap. I'm assuming because he treats it like a business. He really treats he treats it like a Fortune 500 company. Like he's organized. He knows what they. He knows what he wants you to do. There's non-negotiables. But there's also flexibility of getting to know what's important to the goaltender. What, you know, what part of the goaltending game is something that's non-negotiable for them? And it's just phenomenal. It's good. Do you think one of the things that he will not negotiate on is on date night? 
he needs to be looking his best. He needs to be feeling light and mobile. Yeah, I mean, you've got to make sure that you're in that position to, you know, keep things clean all the time. He's a married man, and I will say this, you have been married longer than I have been alive. My, my father did not conceive me when you got married. 27 years, baby. Congratulations. Oh, thanks, bud. There are some times where things get stale. Sometimes. Right? It's a long time to be married, yeah. to be loyal to one partner. But you yeah. can spice I feel things. sorry for the guys that you know, things get stale. But you can spice things up. If you're going through a stale time, we've got a lot of divorced men watching this podcast. Marriage is in the shitter. The folks at Manscaped.com will help you out. And here's the thing. So Manscaped has what they call the Lawnmower 4. It is cutting edge. It has skin-safe technology. I'm going to open it up here. If you're in the audio version, I will describe it to you on Apple and Spotify. If you're in the video version, you can see this. Look at this. I was just using this last night for my date. I won't tell you what I was doing with it, but... So, this is the lawnmower. It's got skin-safe technology, so you will not nick yourself. You, you can trim the fellas. You can trim your arms, your legs. I lost 14 pounds this summer. i got to be looking lean. So, I got rid of all the hair on my legs, so I'm looking really vascular. I actually got grilled on my date the other day. My lady, she says to me, she's like... You shave your legs? I says, yes, I do. She's like, I want a little bit more hair. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the number two attachment on when I go to see her on Saturday night. So there's going to be a number two instead of a number one or even down to the wood. And you can get the best of both worlds. You go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code. already did it. Perfect. Ian Clark has not. already did it. Ian Clark is going to go to manscaped.com. He's going to use the promo code B-I-Z-K-I-T. He's going to get himself 20% off. And he is probably never going to listen to this podcast ever Ever again again. after we talked about him shaving the fellas. Manscaped, thanks for sponsoring the podcast. We got two two and a half more, three more months of Manscaped part of the podcast. Sounds good. Awesome. Do you think Ian Clark's going to listen to this and send me a nasty message? I don't know, but he may hit you over the head with a hockey stick. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He's going to send me a message. (laughs) Bushes are in. (laughs) Bushes in. Yeah, uh, 1970. My, my dad and I were talking about the other day. He says, you know, son, uh, things are, things, I don't know if I like the way things are going these days. They, they were better when I was younger. I said, what do you mean? Anyway, conversation for a different time for a different yeah, day. Absolutely. But back to, to goalie coaching. Yeah. Um, it, I think that when you look at the facts of the best goalie coaches in the world are terrible at social media. And I, I mean this very nicely. Your social media is a little bit lacking, but your goalie coaching is up here. And the reason being for so many guys like that is because you put so much time and effort into actually like developing goalies that you don't really have time to do the social media, to post clips, to kind of grow. The guys that are, they have, they've passed that barrier to entry where I have an Instagram page, so I'm a goalie coach now. I switch from personal to business, yeah. coach, yeah. coach, goalie coaching, so-and-so, so-and-so goaltending. And they're not actually invested in truly helping athletes. Like, would you agree with that? Well, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely in the position in the National Hockey League where they, they don't have the time to put anything social media-wise. And obviously the Canucks did that, you know, with, uh, with Delia. They've done it with uh, Spencer. They've done it with, with um, Demko as well. I mean, they're, they're doing a pretty good job with that. And then they're, you know, the odd time they put on mic'd up with Ian Clark and, and they'll spend time doing that. And they do that in different places. I know they did it with a, a few different goaltending coaches in National Hockey League teams. And that's great. And it helps people. But, you know, you're talking about the barrier of entry. Um, that barrier of entry is so open and so, so easy for people to get into. But they don't take, you know, a course to understand that there's, there's different phases in goaltending, what the priorities are, what should happen next. That there's a, natural, there's a natural progression of how you teach things as you go through. And that becomes very dangerous because, again, you're using clients as, a, as R&D. But, you know, when you're, when you're talking about social media as goaltending coaches, it's really important to understand that what, what people are wanting to see is how they can improve their game in probably 30 seconds le- or less or a minute or less. 
and, and talking about some of the things that are going to be really important. But when you deal with a, var a variety of different goaltenders, you've got to be very clear. You've got to be able to put, the, put the, um, the key points out there and just give them morsels that are going to help them because you're not going to be able to keep your clients because if they move, they're going to go to the closest person that's close to them. If they move to Toronto, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to find someone that's convenient. Okay, so it's, it's about taking time off thinking that you're, you're, you're the only special guy in the world that can teach this stuff because there's an awful lot of really smart goaltending coaches that are out there and there's a lot of guys out there that don't want to learn, they don't want to expand their knowledge, they don't want to admit when, they're, when their information is stale. You know, it still makes me laugh with the reverse VH that we still haven't, people still haven't figured out the what, why, when, how, and where to execute the RVH. And it goes right from minor hockey up to the National Hockey League. So those are the little things that we need to, we need to address those things and be open about it and work together. Do you think, too, that countless goalie coaches out there who have coached in, let's say, like NHL coaching roles or whatnot, they haven't been in the coaching game for 10, 20, whatever years, that they haven't put on full gear in how many years, yeah. the game changes. Kind of, you know, to bring it back to, like, my dad talking about how things have changed, right, in the dating game. The goaltending game has changed. The, the UFC has changed. Like, everything has changed. And in that 10-year period, okay, 10 years ago, you may have been up to date with the current events and whatnot. Right. Th things have changed so much in the last Well, year. what happens to you every day? You think, okay, well, you know, God, I thought it was July, uh, June. Now it's September. You know, you start looking at these things and how fast time flies. Well, guess what? Things grow, things change all the time. So if you're not keeping up to date, you're dead. And the funny part about North America is that when, you, when, when, um, when there was a host of uh, network goaltending down in the United States, there was goaltending coaches from all over the United States, Canada, and, and, and Europe. Now, I'm going to back that statement up. I was the goaltending coach from Canada, okay? One of the guys that was hosting that event was from Canada. There was nobody else, okay? Then you've got the United States. You've got several guys because they're around there, and they want to go to Madison, Wisconsin, or they want to go to, to Nashville, okay? But you know what the, one of the biggest conglomerates was? Swedish and Finnish goaltender coaches. So here's a, an organization, uh, you know, two organizations that are building goaltenders, okay, over there on a regular basis. Every Monday is now a National Goaltending Day or whatever, and they, they go over and concentrate on there. Okay, that's what makes it very different. We drop our kids off 15 minutes before we're supposed to be there. They get out there, and then they go in, onto the ice. No stretching, no warm-up, no nothing. And then they run a practice, and then they jump in the car and go home. In Finland or Sweden, they get to the rink. They do a dynamic warm-up first. Then they do their ball work. Then they do their stretching. Then they practice. Then they come off and do cool down. And sometimes they'll add a sixth piece, which is some dryland training, which is shooting pucks and things like that. Here, we don't do that. There they do. Why are they producing it? It's because they're doing it. Then you look at Russia, who goes, okay, well, Finland's having success. Maybe we'll just take their book, go back to Russia, and put a few twists on it. And now, look what you have in New York, in, in New York City, right? You have these goaltender, goaltenders coming, from, coming over because they're, they're sticking to a system that works. And a system is, in, is something that you install that consistently produces a result. Okay? And arguably, you look at Francois Lair, Benoit Lair, who've been in the business for a long time. You look at Ian Clark, who's been in the business a long time. You look at um, uh, the goaltending coach for the New York uh, Islanders, oh, Mitch Korn. Wow. So they've been around for years and years and years and years. Why are they around? They're producing. They're staying up to date. They're producing. Yeah, they're asking questions. I've been in, in, in a car with a goaltending coach that was in the National Hockey League, and the, his phone would ring. And goaltending coaches from all over, all the different teams, all the guys that you guys you know, think about, are contacting him to see what his thought is 
about a certain tactic or technique and so forth. Because there is a brotherhood, a community, and a networking part. So if you're looking at going to the National Hockey League as a goaltending coach, uh, you better you better expand your network, and you better have the opportunity to be to be able to connect with those people. Because if you if you just hold to yourself in the hopes that an NHL team is going to tap you on the shoulder, it's not going to happen. So you, you you better engage yourself with other goaltending coaches because you don't know what you're going to miss. And that could have been the one thing that changes your goaltending trajectory for yourself. Maybe you can help more players. You also got to understand everybody wants to be a development coach. Everyone wants to be a goaltending coach. Well, that's what are you doing on the ice every day with your goal with your clients? You are a development goaltending coach. <clears throat> you're preparing them for the next opportunity. <clears throat> the problem is you're scared you're going to lose them. My job is to get rid of you. That's what I want to do. <clears throat> My job is to get you in, help you as best as I, uh, best, to the best levels that I can, and get you an opportunity to go and, and make your agent happy by you signing with a team, making that team happy because we can go there, and then reaching out to that goaltending coach if they have one, to be able to say, hey, here's some key aspects. These are some things you, you didn't know. These are some things that would help you moving forward. And this is where we finished off. Go ahead and develop your plan, how you see fit. Um, none of that stuff happens because now they look at losing that client. Hey, if, if Colin Dealey is going to train with Ian Clark or he's going to train with these different guys, that's fantastic because he's had a long list of goaltending coaches long before me that have had uh, a brick that they've put into that wall. And that's, you know, that's where it needs to be. We need to look at each other as a collective unit, uh, developing an athlete, not looking at me, 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 this is what I've done. I think one thing that comes to mind too is, and well, we're obviously not going to name drop, but just the amount of insecurity in the goalie coaching world. Like there was, um, when we first met about a year and a half, almost two years ago, yeah. we made a series of four videos with the yeah. first time skating with you, and I labeled you as the Team Canada goalie coach because in my mind, Less is more, simple is better. Instead of me saying you are the on the board of development for Hockey Canada, et cetera, et cetera, people don't want to read that kind of stuff. So just putting Team Canada goalie coach is simple, yeah. it's, it's headliny, and it works nicely. Yeah. The amount of goalie coaches that reached out to you, uh, we're not going to name names, but guys that are in positions of power that said, I'm not happy with this, this is not okay, Trev can't be doing this, because they're insecure, because they're butt hurt, yeah. but you're coaching in the National Hockey League, is ridiculous, and that's across the whole goaltending world, uh, collectively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's put it this way: there's <clears throat> there's only 32 jobs in the world, <clears throat> right? 32 jobs in the world to have a goaltending coach, uh, a goaltending coach job with the National Hockey League team. Then there's a minor league coach, which is usually taking care of the American and the East Coast Hockey League. There's only 64 spots, and the you know they only get one, two, three year deals. So guess what's happening at the end of two years? If you're not doing your job, they're going to look for someone else. So by saying stuff like that, if it gets out there, then those general managers have other options, right? They have other options. They want to find somebody else, like this guy from, from Finland that the Canucks hired, right? He worked with, the, with the, uh, Sorokinen, and, uh, you know, he's had a, or, sorry, Shesterkin, and he had a great season. So they want to see if they can duplicate that in the development world. Hey, the Canucks want to develop goaltenders. Why? Because A, they can, they can you know, replace Thatcher if he gets hurt. Or B, you can go to Rutherford and say, well, you can trade this guy for assets. You're looking for a defenseman. We've got a hot goalie. So that's really the, the aspect behind it. And, um, but a lot of people have hate. They're very, very insecure. <clears throat> very insecure about, uh, about um, you know, anybody getting any type of credibility. Am I a goaltending coach for Hockey Canada? Yes, I am. Do I sit on the hockey board for, for Hockey Canada as far as the development? Absolutely. Uh, I do. Am I mainly on the women's side? Yeah. 
Um, have I been on the men's side? Yes. Okay. Not as a goaltending coach of one of their teams, but as a, but as a, a member of the goaltending team that was working with a number of goaltenders. I thought at that time it was Carter Hart and a lot of different guys like that. I didn't train Carter Hart, but I did do a drill with Carter Hart and help them through those processes. But that doesn't make me the only one. The bottom line is sometimes you got to submit your ego and you got to get to positions where you're willing to help people for the right reasons, not for personal gain, but more for an opportunity to help players achieve excellence. And I've been blessed enough to spend time with some of the greatest goaltenders uh, that have played the game, both on the men's side and the women's side. Shannon Zavados is a pro. Um, Emirates Mashmeyer is ridiculous. She's a phenomenal pro. You've got um, <clears throat> you've got Campbell. You've got uh, um, and a girl. Oh well. God, just a, it's just endless. Okay, you got endless goaltenders. Geneviève Lacasse has been there. You got Kim Saint Pierre. All the people that have been out there, they've they've done a phenomenal job. And uh, and they've had many goaltending coaches work within their game to to get there. And by opening myself up to come up with better ways to communicate with uh, Canadians and French Canadians as well as other player, players around the world that want to have access to that. Hey, I'm just blessed to be a part of that wheel. That's it. I'm a, you know, you look at a ladder, I'm a rung on the ladder. Okay, and there's many rungs on that ladder of, any, of many goaltending coaches that collectively, you know, uh, had a bit in helping people. You know, and like, you know, I got to throw a shout out to someone like Mel Davidson, who will send a personal letter to say, you know, we won gold at the Olympics. You guys were a part of that process. Even though we didn't go to the Olympics that year, she went with her team but had the ability to, to come back and say, hey, we're sending you this note to say thank you very much. I got a beautiful jersey from the, this past year's uh, uh, Olympic winners, you know, all signed, beautiful. These are things that you never forget because they understand that you are a piece of thread in that jersey. You're not the jersey, you're a piece of thread. And uh, that's where it comes down to, in my opinion. Seriously beautiful jersey. There's a, I heard there's a really, really good one down in Michigan. There is, with the Motor City Rockers in the Fed, yeah. which is where I'll be playing, and which is where we may see you very soon. We want to thank Pascal for coming on the podcast. It was awesome to have you. There's, there's so many people that asked to, to get you on, and we could have done it over Skype. And when, I wanted to do it in person. No, I'm glad I did. This turned out fantastic. And uh, we do a new episode of this podcast every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. in Winnipeg, 8 a, 9 a.m. in Calgary, 8 a.m. in Vancouver, 11 p.m. in China and Australia, 4 p.m. in Sweden, 3 in the U.K., and 5 in Finland. How the hell do you remember that? I, I don't know. I just, it, it's... And you've got a weird brain, man. You do now seven, it explains what's happening on the ice. You do 70 <laughs> episodes of podcasting, it sticks in. I want to say thank you so much to the folks at Sheath, our presenting sponsor. Seriously, if you're uh, in the underwear game, I got a message the other day from a guy in New York. says, Trap, I got a girl coming to visit me, flying in to see me. I got some Sheath underwear. I'm ready. Alex, shout out to you. You're going to have a great date night, and you will as well, and I will tomorrow night with my lady. Thank you to Sheath. Thank you to Manscaped. Thank you to you listen to the podcast. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next Sunday.